Hello and welcome to Science Talks, the podcast where the children ask the questions to our local experts in the Queen Edith community. I'm Veronica Clifford, the science lead, and may I give a warm welcome to an amazing guest, Laura McGinney, a specialist pancreatic dietitian from the Nutrition and Dietetics Department at our local Addenbrooke's Hospital. Hi there. Hello. Well, first of all, that is an impressive job title, and I know the children are just really keen to know exactly what you do and what your job involves. Okay, well, thank you for having me. So my job involves discussing the relationship between nutrition and how we nourish our bodies and our health, and particularly in the context of ill health. So if someone is not very well or part of their body is not working in the way you'd want it to do, how do we need to change the way we nourish the body? So that's a, that's as a dietitian in general, what a dietitian would do, and they would specialise in all sorts of different parts of the body or different things that could be not functioning as you'd want within the body. And my specialist area is with the pancreas. So if the pancreas isn't working well, there's quite a few things that we need to think about in terms of um, how we nourish ourselves. And so I help people to do that. What's the hardest part about doing that? And, And perhaps what's the most enjoyable part about helping people with their diet and nutrition? I suppose the hardest part is maybe some of my patients aren't very well and that can be quite difficult when they're poorly um one of the things that's hard is when it's really busy and you can't uh perform to the level that you'd like to because there's so much to fit into the day but I also really like the hospital as a whole and how it works by all different people some people that you never meet all with the same aim of just making things better for people and how we all connect together so I think I like that It might be helpful to know exactly how the digestive system works and then Mm -hmm. it would be lovely to unpick if we can what goes wrong really because I'm not sure what would go wrong with the digestive system and therefore when would you step in and help those patients? Okay so as a whole I guess the digestive system is a bit like a factory in a bit of a sorting house so your food and we eat a mixed diet humans so it's quite a range of things that we eat and that goes in your mouth and then you start processing it straight away with your teeth and it continues all the way down this tube you've got a tube that goes all the way from your mouth all the way through and out to your bum and all the processing that happens as you go through there so your body breaks it down into smaller components and it takes the bits it needs it leaves the bits it doesn't and it passes out the bits that you don't need anymore so that's an overview I suppose of the the digestive process and it's formed of various different organs that have got their specialist role each of what they do so they so your mouth chews it processes it a bit and then passes it down your esophagus which is your food pipe and then that passes it into the stomach and the stomach's got its role and it passes through well although it sounds very complex I mean we we manage to use our digestive system every single day I have no idea and I don't think the children quite yet understand what can go wrong with that system then where do you step in So there are quite a lot of things that could go wrong. And I'm sure there are probably some children in the school that have had some things, some uh, interaction with the dietitian or the hospital because something in their digestive systems needed a bit of help. So maybe some of the things that might be a bit more common might be, I don't know if you've heard of celiac disease. So that's something where the body can't manage gluten, which is a group of proteins that you find in wheat, barley and rye. So they're grains that you might get in starchy foods like bread pasta breakfast cereals cakes biscuits things like that and the body reacts 
to this group of proteins and then in your gut in the bowel it makes them inflamed and damages the bowel and there is thought that about one in a hundred people have celiac disease and the treatment is avoiding gluten in your diet so that you don't damage it so that's something that a dietitian would help to teach someone with celiac disease and their family as to which foods are safe and which foods to avoid so I would think with I don't know is it about a thousand I don't know how many children are actually in the school but you'd think there's probably a few that might have celiac disease um there's other conditions you may have heard of such as Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis which is where the large bowel the last bit of your digestive system isn't functioning as you'd want and those parts your large bowel can be removed if it's not working very well and most of the bits of your digestive system you can live without but not all of them um you know in one go so you can't live without a liver but you can live without a colon you can it's not easy but you can live without a small intestine you can live without a gallbladder a lot of people live without a gallbladder you can live without a pancreas you can live without a stomach you can live without an esophagus so it's quite resilient our body really so I can see there's a lot of expertise there. It sounds like you give lots of people advice and support with their digestive system. But is there anything that we can do to make sure our digestive system is healthy and well, if you like? So our system can cope with a bit of neglect as such, you know, us not doing the best for it. But the more we do that, the less well our system is and then the less able it is to cope with any tricky things that come along the way so things that uh, sort of please our digestive system as such is variety in our diet so having a whole range of different things eating a lot of different species that's good for our digestive system so having that variety fiber is good you don't want to go too overboard not like the more is always better but generally with the british diet more fiber is good for our guts fluid as well you need to make sure you're hydrated you need to make sure that you're drinking enough so that your bowel doesn't dry out that makes it harder to move things through chewing your food is is important as well which is something sometimes if it tastes really good or you're really excited or you just want to get on and then go off and play or watch tv that you maybe don't chew it quite so well so that's important exercise is important to keep that whole system um, functioning well so that you're getting enough oxygen into your body and oxygen all around your around your system our guts actually quite like having a bit of a routine so having your meals at a similar time each day it's good practice to sit at a table if you can rather than sitting on a sofa so that the position of your body our guts like that there's more and more research now coming out that things that fermented foods are good for our guts so that's things like yogurt, kimchi, you might have come across, kefir or other sort of fermented foods. Because we have billions of millions of bacteria in our guts and we carry them around with us. And it's quite good to be able to feed them as well. And they like that and that variety there. So I suppose they're some of the things that you could do to please your gut. Fascinating. But also, well, children being children, they want to know some fun facts, some amazing facts about the gut. So is there anything that, that would wow them, do you think? So I think it's quite interesting that um, so your small intestine is actually uh, called small because it's, it's narrower than your large intestine, but it's very long. And inside it, it's folded a lot. You imagine like um, a sheet or something. It's all crinkled up. So therefore, there's a larger surface area that comes into contact with all the food that's coming through. And then on each of those folds, there's other little things that are called villi. 
they're like little fingers that are sticking into our bowel to again increase the surface area that comes in contact and they've got little microvilli on them now if you spread out all of the microvilli the villi the fold you spread it all out it would come to about 250 square meters about the size of a tennis court for an adult carrying around all of that inside us but it's all folded up into our gut kind of neatly and all held there in place so that it doesn't all get twisted so i think that's quite amazing that we can do that in our guts there absolutely Um, incredible it is it's very clever isn't it if we didn't have that we wouldn't have the absorptive area to be able to get all the goodness from our food and in fact that's one of the things that happens in celiac disease those little villi get stunted and so there isn't as much surface area to absorb the nutrition that we're having our guts also secrete so they produce a lot of fluid each day seven liters a day roughly they're producing to go into your gut to give all the fluid and then it's all absorbed again further down your gut so that you have a drier poo that comes out the other end my class is going to love all of that (laughs) (laughs) i spend quite a lot of time talking about poo in my job so if people like that this may be a career path for them (laughs) fantastic Now, this is a really popular question with children, and it actually seems of critical and vital importance. And they want to know, is it true that swallowing chewing gum is terrifically bad for you? Because there are rumours, apparently, that it stays in your system for ages and actually could do a lot of harm. Is that right? So I think if you swallowed a lot, it wouldn't be very good for you. And I don't think anyone should aim to swallow it. But if you swallow the occasional piece, your system will deal with it. So not be too worried, but I wouldn't go out there and... Uh, sort of purposely have a lot it probably wouldn't feel too good well I think maybe um, some children at Queen Edith might be a bit relieved about that answer the year two children they learn about the eat well plate and I wondered whether you could explain that a little bit for us and tell us what are the key facts about a healthy diet They're, they're interested in finding out how important that healthy diet really is yeah so the eat well plate is a good sort of visual representation of what the sort of the proportions of what we're recommended to eat over the day so it doesn't have to be at every meal but the idea is that about a third of what we eat is fruit and vegetables a third of what we eat is starchy carbohydrates so that's bread pasta potatoes rice breakfast cereals other things made with flour the other third has got the high um, calcium protein things so that your dairy and and eggs then the um, high iron protein section. So that's got your meat, fish, beans, pulses section. And then there's a small section for the kind of high fat, high sugar foods. So they're, they're there, but they're supposed to be not a huge amount of our diet. This is for most people if you're well and don't have any extra nutritional needs sometimes when people aren't very well and they're not eating very much they do need that section to be a little bit bigger or the proportion to change but that's generally the rule the the kind of the guidelines the fruit and veg section ideally will be as colorful as possible so there's a recommendation to kind of eat a rainbow the more different colors you can eat the more variety you're getting in there because those colors are made by different compounds and having the variety in your diet and those different compounds is good and we also mustn't forget water which goes alongside so we need to have the fluid as well to get that diet balanced it doesn't mean every meal has to be kind of perfect or balanced or anything but you need to make sure your body's got all the good stuff that you need so Uh, to keep all the different bits of you healthy. I have heard children talk about good foods and bad foods. I think maybe um, they've misunderstood something. 
Could you clarify that for us about good food? Are there such things as good foods and bad foods? Yeah, so we wouldn't say there's good foods and bad foods. Sometimes it's not helpful to think about the things that we enjoy as being bad. The phrase is that there's good diets and bad diets, but not good foods and bad foods. And so it's really about the balance of the foods together and also how often we would eat the various different things. So when it's your birthday, you, you know, your friend's birthday, your Christmas or Eid or whatever you're celebrating, then there's loads more sort of cake or treat foods that you might have to celebrate that occasion. But that's not the kind of food that you can have for tea every day. So it's just getting that balance there and enjoying those foods when you have them and enjoying the celebration and the sharing with other people and not feeling guilty because they're foods that are negative, they're positive. It's just if you have them all the time, it's not going to be so good for you. The year fives, in fact, were asking about high sugar levels and why they are unhealthy. Why aren't they so great for you if you've got high sugar levels in your diet? So sugar is just calories. It's simple carbohydrates. It's just calories. So calories are important. That's the energy that um, we get from our food and we need the energy from our food. But ideally, along with the energy, we want other nutrients. So we want protein. We want some fats. We want some fiber we want vitamins and minerals and things and those things help to give our body all the components it needs sugar in itself isn't bad but if you you can get full by just having sugar so if you just drink like cola or something it gives you enough calories that you don't feel hungry but then your body hasn't had all those good things as well so that's not so good and then also for your teeth so your dentist wouldn't be so keen for you to have too much sugar and for dentists it's about the frequency in which you have sugar throughout the day so if you're going to have it it's better to have it after a meal or you know one or two occasions in the day rather than grazing through the day maybe having sweets or sugary drinks because you spread it out and that's less good for your teeth they don't get the time to recover in between conversely then and this might be um wishful thinking with the year fives is it possible to have too many vitamins it is possible it's not something that would be very common from just your diet so if you took vitamin supplements you'd be more likely to get more higher levels in your body than your body needs than from the diet because they're more concentrated the symptoms that you might get if you had more vitamins than you needed is you might get tummy ache sometimes you might get a change in your bowel habits that's what happens when you go to the toilet you might get more likely to get diarrhea or get bloating or uncomfortable or headaches and also some vitamins work together or compete for your body to to absorb them so if you have the mechanism that your body uses to absorb one vitamin might be the same as another vitamin and if you had a lot of one then the other one wouldn't get a look in so you would get less of that absorbed and therefore you might become deficient in that other vitamin because the first one is overpowering that might well help people to think they can't just if they can just have more vitamins everything is wonderful it's a bit more complicated than that clearly um but it could happen if you were taking vitamin capsules which is why it's also important to take the right vitamin capsule for your age um, because at different ages and stages of our lives we need different things so I wouldn't recommend a child to take adult vitamin capsules for example because the amounts they need are different. Now with you being a total expert um, in terms of diet um, and the digestive system of course loads of the children want to know a what's your favourite healthy meal and also is there such a thing as the perfect healthy meal full stop? 
So there isn't a perfect meal because part of what makes a diet really good is the variety within it. So if there was a perfect meal to the exclusion of other perfect meals, then the fact that you would then have that meal repeatedly would make it imperfect. So you really want variety in there. And if you look back through our evolution, we've eaten a lot more species per day and per week in terms of different plant species that we would be eating than we do now. It's more restrictive. And then a favourite healthy meal of mine. <laughs> well, often the favourite meals aren't the ones that would be the most balanced, are they? But um, You can be honest with us. <laughs> which would I choose? So if I could choose a meal at the moment, I would probably choose a nice curry because my children would be less likely to choose that, so I'd have that less often, so that would be quite good. But maybe things that we like to eat together, we would maybe have some fajitas with some vegetables and some protein in there. Or stir fry. We really like stir fries. We might have those. And again, you can get quite a lot of variety in there. Excellent. Thank you for sharing. Part of the answer actually is linked to what the year ones have been discussing. They learn about different animals and some of you know, some of them obviously are carnivores, omnivores, herbivores. And it got them to thinking, can the digestive system cope if you are, you know, you're a vegetarian and then maybe you become a vegan or then maybe you introduce meat back into your diet? Can the digestive system cope with all of those sorts of changes? Yes, we're quite adaptable as humans. We are omnivores. So eating, uh, able to eat and digest meat and other animal products and also vegetables and other plant products. So we are quite adaptable. If you make a sudden dramatic change to your diet then you might get some discomfort or some symptoms in the short term because your body is quite efficient in that there are receptors in your bowel for certain nutrients or your body adapts to specializing for what's needed humans can be vegan very healthily they can be meat eaters very healthily they can also be vegans unhealthily meat eaters unhealthily normally if you place any restriction on what you're eating you need to think a little bit more about it to make sure you've got enough so if your decision is to be vegan and you so therefore you're not having any animal products at all you just need to think about it slightly more the key stage one children have been thinking a lot about digestion and and also thinking about aging and there was what they were wondering that they've noticed that um as you age your skin starts to get wrinkly and that sort of thing does such a thing happen to the digestive system so I don't know if it gets wrinkly, specifically wrinkly, but it does age just like the rest of our bodies. So it becomes less efficient or slower at doing what what we want to do. So some people, older people, find that their bowels become kind of sluggish and they can become a bit more constipated and things as your bowels less efficient at doing what it would usually do. So the bowel is like the inside of our mouth is the same really as the bowel is all the way through and I don't I don't think the inside of our mouth becomes wrinkly so my guess is but I don't know 100% that we wouldn't further down but the pancreas for example produces digestive enzymes that help us to break down the food that we eat so that we can absorb the nutrition from what we've eaten and when we're young it produces a lot of these digestive enzymes and as we progress through our lives we produce less we still produce enough but potentially, if we are lucky enough to be living into our sort of eighth, ninth decade or beyond, then we might not be producing enough of the enzymes to fully digest what we've eaten. So that's just an example of how our digestive system ages. 
Thank you. I've got a lovely question from um, Key Stage 2, and they want to know, well, a couple of things, actually. What might happen to you if you eat something um, where the food has actually expired and it's out of date? And the second thing was, um, and I quote, what happens if you eat something dodgy, like some dodgy shellfish, I think they said. If you eat something that's out of date, a lot of the time it's actually fine. There's a difference between the food being out of date, as in the date on the packet is in the past, and the food having actually gone off. So sometimes it will have gone off and sometimes it won't. And some foods, like chicken or shellfish, it would be a a bit dangerous. I wouldn't eat those after the date. But a yoghurt or something... I would judge more my eyes and my nose as to whether that's okay to eat rather than the label. And sometimes food can be wasted because it's got a date in the past. And actually, if we just assessed it a little bit ourselves, we could see that's fine. But I would have caution with things like seafood and some meats and things like that. It's just not worth the risk. If you did have something like the dodgy shellfish that wasn't very good, your body would do what it could to get that out of your body. And it would be the same as if you you get a bug from someone else. That's something in your body that your body doesn't need. So the ways your body tries to expel this from your body is either up or down. <laughs> so that's either being sick. So if your body gets to it early enough, you know, it's still in your stomach, then sometimes you'll vomit, you'll be sick, and that will be getting out of your body as quickly as possible. If it gets beyond your stomach, and actually our stomachs are really acidic, uh, they've got a really strong acid in your stomach where, you know, that, that could dissolve a lot of things. But we, we carry that around as a kind of protective uh, barrier that our food has to go through. And, and the main reason for that is to kill these bugs or anything. If you did have a bit of something dodgy, that the stomach acid protects you from that. But if it manages to get through the stomach acid and is still a problem in your bowel, then your bowel wants to get rid of it quickly. So your bowel puts lots and lots of liquid in there. It's trying to flush all the bugs, the dodgy, what was in the dodgy shellfish or whatever through. And that gives you diarrhea. So that gives you very loose poos because your body wants to get it out quickly. And then once it's out, you're fine, you're better. And that's why we have the rule where you can't go to school or you can't go to work for a couple of days after you've been sick or had diarrhea because you don't know what's still in there, what might be hanging around and you don't want to share it with your friends. So that's about um, safety there. So thank you for those wise words. Now I was going to ask you some of my feature questions. Um, For example, what do you think you'll be doing differently in about 50 years' time? How much will your job or your role have changed, do you think? Will we go down that path where we have more of our food made in a lab? And actually, I don't know, some of these sci-fi films, people just eat out of a, you know, a sort of a pouch, don't they? And it's not actual food. And maybe we'll go that way. Or will we go the other way where we don't really want anything made in a factory? There's quite a lot of people that want less processing of their food and actually we're learning that there's a lot of benefits to that and will we actually go back to what we used to do more and 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 what the advice is to eat more whole foods i don't know there's also this um exploration of eating insects which in this country is something that um we can kind of recoil from a bit we're a bit shocked at the idea of eating insects but it does happen in other countries it's quite normal Insects grow much more quickly than the animals that we eat in this country. They have a lot less of an environmental impact. I definitely think as a dietitian, we're needing to give 
and understand more of the environmental impact of the advice that we're given. So that's probably would be something that's changed. I know it's quite exciting to see what might happen in 50 years. <laughs> exciting and sounds like it could be quite big, significant changes, actually. It's just my predictions, but it could be. Is there a scientist um, that you would most like to meet? I don't know. I don't really have a sort of favourite scientist as such. Someone like Einstein's obviously intriguing. Maybe my interest would actually be for people I haven't heard of. So I think sometimes the people that you hear of are the people that maybe had a position in society already, you know, particularly in this country, um, people who maybe were a bit higher up in society and had the publicity, but maybe they didn't actually do the work or they didn't actually discover things. And I'd be quite interested to meet maybe some of the people who we haven't heard of who, who, who developed things. The hidden scientists. <laughs> the hidden scientists, yeah. Like I'm sure there were people that, that had lots of really good discoveries. I think I agree with you. It'd be nice to find out about some more hidden heroes have been quietly getting on with their lives and their role in science, and we just don't hear about their personal successes. I agree with that. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, because maybe they were more interested in the science than the celebrity, so we didn't hear about them. I think maybe that's where my interest would lie. My final question is, do you think there's a big misconception in terms of digestion? I don't know if there's one big thing, but maybe the concept of there being superfoods is not true. Are you trying to tell me that blueberries are not really a superfood and I put them on my breakfast cereal every morning for no reason? Blueberries are great for you. Blueberries are a really good addition to the day, fibre, vitamins, minerals, but one food is not going to change everything. And actually, variety is also good. So to have blueberries, but maybe not every day so something else another really good uh, berry on another day would be even better okay i hear you thank you so much for sharing your wisdom it's been a total delight um, hearing everything you've got to say and such good advice as well it's wonderful the children will love it yeah thank you so much for joining us today thank you very much for having me